This is Limit Up, a trading podcast presented by the performance coaches at Top Step. We discuss futures, forex, stocks, options, history, trading psychology. Basically, if you can trade it, we'll try our best to make sense of it. Now, on to the show. All right, the red light is blinking, which means we are recording the Limit Up podcast. Presented by Top Step, I'm Jack, joined by Dan as usual. Dan, summer going well. How great is summer right now? Like, I feel like we went from middle of winter straight into summer weather-wise here, uh, here in Wisconsin. 85, 88, and sunny this week. I think I've been on the boat every single day this afternoon. I was swimming last night. It doesn't get much better than that. Oh, and we should probably talk about the markets too, right? Right. <laughs> I, I, we'll, we'll get to the markets. First of all, you were night swimming? Yeah, I went swimming last night. Um, went out on the boat, came in around 8.30, and uh, it was pretty hot, so took a jump in. Nice. Are you are you a good swimmer? Yeah. I suck. I suck. I've always hated it. I, I mean, I know enough not to drown in a uh, municipal pool or something, <laughs> but... Uh, it, it's not my favorite activity. I grew up on the lake. You know, I've been up here my whole life. My dad was throwing me that in the day sense. I was born. Um, so I was, you know, forced to learn to swim. Otherwise I was SOL. Totally. So, uh, it's still technically spring, so we're still on time with this episode, but we like to once a year talk about what we're expecting for the summer trade in the markets. Uh, we'll kind of weave this into our takes and levels as we go along here. But we got a summer chock full of economic releases. We got some really uh, spicy stuff going on with the Fed and monetary policy. And uh, we still have the meme stock mania. So we'll get to all that and kind of where we see it going. Uh, but first, Dan, is there anything you're looking at this week as far as uh, takes or levels, as I'm calling this segment? Well, first off, well, we'll talk about the meme stacks. Oh, yeah. I have a whole section on that now. Oh, man. Do those things get me going? What's got me interested right now is crude oil is the market that I am watching extremely, extremely close. And we have a little bit more room to the upside that I can see from a technical standpoint that's got me holding on. I've been hearing a lot of people kind of talk about um, potential of where this market can go. Um, possible gas prices of $7 this summer. I'm not going to be that much of a pessimist, um, strictly because if that happens, then I might be screwed. But we may not get there this week, but really what's got my eye is that $75 handle in the uh, in the crude oil. Um, we haven't been up there since October of 2018. It's been some time, but that is what I'll be watching. I think a lot of people are going to be looking. We had three swing highs right up to 75 bucks um, back in 2018. God, I hope it hits and sells right back down to $45 a barrel. That would be grand. That'd be a good trade. Uh, I had thought you were going all the way back to the all-time highs in the oil, which I believe, if my memory is correct, was uh, 2008. Sorry. Uh, yeah, 2008 or thereabouts, 2007. Let me, I can pull it real quick. Because it got up to like $150 a barrel. And I remember you were talking about staying home. I was doing a college internship that uh, summer and I was living in Evanston and I was taking the Metra. And because the gas was $5 a gallon or whatever, the the train was 
jammed. You just sit there oh, forever yeah. and get on. It was just, especially because people are driving in from pretty far if they're taking that train. Yeah, July 2008, just shy of $150 a barrel. Yeah, I, I recall. Uh, what I'm looking at is another 150 and see if I do the math right here. I'm looking at 150 basis points because I'm looking at the 10-year uh, treasury yield. Uh, this week, and we'll get into this when we talk about what we're expecting this summer, but we got a big, big CPI number coming up on Thursday. We got the Fed next week. Those yields, there's been a real battle. It's kind of been hanging out there around uh, one and a half, 1.6 thereabouts. If that can settle in below uh, 1.5, I think that's something to watch. That would be maybe the party still going. If that starts to rise, we may need to reevaluate some of our uh, positioning. So I'm looking at yeah, the yield. you know, yields have been interesting. They're already moving here uh, quite a bit today. It's uh, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, tomorrow's or. Today, we had, I guess, because this is Thursday afternoon, not quite, we're actually recording Wednesday morning, um, but we had CPI this morning, and so, uh, what a wild morning, right? I know, I right? No clue Num what happened, number but man, what a wild year. one. Oh, yeah. Well, this leads <laughs> right into this, the first point. Uh, why don't we talk about this first, and then we'll get to the general summer trading features, uh, a little bit of inflation and Fed talk. So this CPI number that you all listening have the benefit of knowing, whereas we are completely in the ether right now. Uh, I'm going to presume it was an important number because the market, especially the uh, stock indices right now, I feel are in kind of a holding pattern, just waiting for more information. And a large part of that information is going to be the inflation number. Just a primer for those out there, higher inflation is going to affect all of the future products you trade. Obviously, it's bullish for commodities and um, oil. It is, you know, would be bad for the bonds. It would be the stocks, especially if you're trading the NASDAQ or the high growth, the high growth stocks, uh, speculative stocks are going to be most, and I'm not talking about, you know, GameStop here, uh, real speculative stocks of like the future of the company will be hurt the most by inflation because it's discounting their earnings that are further down the road. So all things to watch. So Dan, why don't we get this started? Uh, what are your kind of thoughts about inflation right now? And then we'll go into the well, Fed. Before we get into it, you mentioned on the Coach's Playbook this week, this idea of, yeah, we're going to probably see heavier inflation numbers, but remember about the deflation um, that we've had over the last year, year and a half or so. So really quick, before we dive too much into that, I was just wondering if you can explain that for those that are out there that maybe don't understand that totally. Yeah, uh, I think this is an important thing to keep in mind. Uh, these hot inflation numbers we've been seeing year over year is because a large part of it, probably the majority of it, and this is why you don't see the Fed coming in right away to like rein things in, because the Fed's mandate, I believe, is to keep inflation around 2%. And if you're getting these four numbers, that would strongly suggest they should get in. The reason they're not doing that, there's numerous reasons, but probably the biggest is that the data is a little clunky right now. So the inflation this year, say May over May, goes back to May last year, where there was actually deflation because everything was shut down with the coronavirus. So we're comparing uh, numbers that are a little bit out of whack. We've seen the same thing with the employment numbers where it'll miss, you know, 
back in the day, and by back in the day, I mean 18 months ago, you wouldn't ever see employment miss by, you know, 500,000 jobs. Right. Right. But now, because it's so hard to calculate these numbers and the data is not clean, you see it all the time and people don't even think it's that big a deal. So that's what I would watch out for is in the coming months, are we seeing inflation, especially month over month, I'll be looking at because those are closer. We might see a little short term, but that's what we're working with right now. Perfect. Thanks for kind of diving into that a little bit and clarifying that. Jack is our uh, educated economist here at Top Step, and uh, we got to going to make sure we work out those brain muscles on them every so often. So I'm looking forward this year. I think Fed, I think the terminology, we're going to have to really pay close attention to the Fed come Monday or next Tuesday, Wednesday. Brain fart. When is the Fed announcement? Wednesday. Yeah, usually they do it on Wednesday. Wednesday. We can look it up, but. I said Tuesday. It's Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday. You can keep that absolute brain fart in right there so everyone can hear. Yeah. I think that's going to be a huge thing to pay attention to. So keep an eye on what Jerome Powell has to say. Do I expect them to start to change any rates? Probably not just yet. I don't think uh, any rate change is coming quite yet, but I think we're going to start to see some terminology and some language start to shift. He's going to start to talk about this um, asset buying that they've been doing for the last year during the pandemic. Um, the Fed was coming in every month buying $120 billion worth of assets. Well, right now they are testing the waters they are starting to dip their toes in and tease us all a little bit that they're going to be selling off those assets and stop their cut back on their buying that could have a drastic effect on things so you you've coupled that with this idea of potential possible inflation conversation um we could be in for a wild ride this summer we could what we say about uh trading the fed dan don't trade the Fed number. <laughs> Take that one to the bank. Uh, there is not, I mean, ultimately, you're all adults out there. You can do whatever it is you want to do. But it would be my strong advice based on several you know, follies of my own in the past is that you probably should not be trying to trade outright futures in the wake of a Fed number. I mean, yes. Let's let's your levels mean jack shit at that point. And <laughs> yes, they're just a line on a chart. And and two, no one. That's just it's just gambling because how often do you see? I, I think probably the most often uh, frequent price action I see after the Fed is an initial move way one way that then completely goes the other way. Like mm-hmm. it, it just stuff like that happens all the time, and you're just gambling at that point if you're going to try and go in you can't go with it you can't go against it it's low liquidity you don't know what people are hedging you don't know you don't know right and jack was very clear outright futures so for clarity you know there's a lot of traders out there that are waiting for for this number to come um if you are trading you know options you make money on volatility this creates volatility. This is where you have opportunity, but your whole position is designed to trade around these numbers. If you're trading, so I think a lot of people here, you know, a lot of retail traders kind of get into this and they start to hear this idea of, oh yeah, you got to be around the numbers. The numbers are the big one. Well, if they keep in mind the people that are trading those numbers are hedged, they're in positions. They are there because of that. If it's an outright that you are trading through a number, either you're have no concern for risk because 
we can sit here and say fundamentally, if the Fed were to increase rates, what would happen to stocks, Jack? They would go down, Dan. They would sink. They would take off to the downside. To fundamentally. Does that mean that's what's going to happen? Probably not. If you're trading outrights, you might get shaken out really quick. And all of a sudden, you see that stock market, you know, the NASDAQ or the S&Ps may just get a fast pop. Because all of a sudden, everyone is maybe they're getting out of positions. Maybe they're adjusting. But all of a sudden, that market may just pop. Even though fundamentally, it says it's supposed to go lower. You may see a quick pop. And it's going to be more than your risk can handle trading a number like that. Yeah, the only... Uh, unless you're in a hedge position or, you know, I guess if you're like a swing trader or position trader where you have some strong fundamental bias where you know what you're doing, you wait for a number, then you're taking your educated trade. Right. And your risk and you, you can handle it from the risk standpoint, but from like the outright dailies, just sit back, watch the fireworks show. Yeah. I mean, wait for it to get in the directional move. Then you can go. I'll tell you what, it's definitely worth watching the action around the Fed. Like, I just find it exciting in general to see those ladders whip around. Yeah. And- it's like all of a sudden the, there's a market there and then the market disappears. Like, did it go up or down? Did it go up or down? Did it go up or down? And you're chasing to find it. <laughs> did, did you ever uh, Did you ever see someone get like hit on like a way off the market? I, I saw this a lot when I was trading of somebody get hit on something they have in their way off the market and then suddenly the liquidity evaporates and they're just, okay, ride or die. <laughs> I, I had it happen to me before. Where we, you know, we used to run orders all the way down the book and you know, typically leading into a number, you're like, all right, let's clear out the book as best we can, but we'll leave some extremes in there. And I remember hitting one extreme. It was when the ladder disappeared and this was, we weren't using charts. Charts wasn't a big, we weren't very, uh, a chart firm at the time. Uh, the stuff I was trading, you know, and all of a sudden I just hear order filled and <laughs> I'm like, shit, what just filled? What just filled? So I'm like trying to find my order book, which is buried on one of the random screens I've got going. And I finally, I find it filled. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, that was a good fill. <laughs> yeah. And it sometimes be good. I, I remember too, that like the, the most like near heart attack feeling i think i would have what i was trading is during the usually the unemployment number uh same thing where you stack all like you we would run certain things through the number that were way off market and sometimes you'd see the clock hit 7 30 in chicago and then you just hear this cascade of <laughs> just <laughs> as it hits, as all of a sudden you're just sitting there and your PL monitor is taking a while to update, and you're like trying to figure out what the hell just, what happened. just happened. And then it would fill in, and you'd be either up a bunch of money or down a bunch of money <laughs> and in a really large position. So, Jack, you were in a bigger firm than I was when you guys were, ha- when the markets got wild. Did everyone have like, you know, the the order fill sounds going. So it was just like a full on orchestra in, in the trading room. Yeah. Ours, it sounds like yours were words. Ours, it kind of sounded, if you've ever been on a slot machine floor, I, I can't remember the sound, you know, nor could I make them. They were like computerized, but it was a lot of like slot machines sort of like, yeah, clink, 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 yeah, clink, clink. clink. Uh, so that was always uh, good fun. I had words, um, I had words and then another plot. I used two platforms, um, but one of them was words. I had a British woman 
and she used to be like, order filled. <laughs> my my British accent's not very good. Order filled. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then yeah, a lot of the guys were using you know the slot machine one. I remember being, I was younger and uh, God I was probably sixteen or seventeen, and I was clerking on the floor for my dad, and he had a bunch of guys upstairs that worked for him too, and we come in off the floor. And we walk in and it was loud as hell. I think he had about 10 or 15 people working for him at the time, um, maybe a little bit more. And so we walk in and every computer screen is computers going nuts. And I was like, I didn't know what was happening. I was 16 years old. I'm like, dad, what's what's going on? He goes, that's the sound of making money. Yeah. <laughs> Rang a dang. So uh, kind of on a related topic, because we were talking about Unemployment Fridays and stuff. Uh, we might remind people sort of what our general thoughts on the summer trade are. So it used to be, we talked about this on Coach's Playbook a little bit yesterday, but uh, trading used to be so dominated by professional trading firms and institutions that you would see a real slowdown in business over the summer months when people were taking vacations. And... Uh, yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, and then I'll give my two cents yeah. on how it applies now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, historically, when it was pit days, right, which everyone loves to hear the stories about the pits, and um, everyone, uh, Monday trade was pretty extremely light. Majority of the traders that I, I grew up knowing, family included, didn't work Mondays whatsoever all summer long. Um, they focused on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And would trade Friday mornings if there's a number. Yeah. Beyond that, Friday afternoons, you were out. I'll give a personal, you know, a personal note to it. I traded a Friday morning, expiration Friday. I stayed. I was told to leave. Um, I should have left. Didn't work out for me. Um, and from then on out, I learned I don't trade Fridays unless it's a number and I leave after the number. Yeah. I think that is the biggest. So it's kind of a test right now we don't really know but my feeling is that now trading's become so ingrained with uh the retail trading that's kind of exploded in the last year that there'll probably be action in certain markets i don't know if futures will hold the one thing i would stick by is to probably avoid trading those friday afternoons especially if you're in a program like top step where you're day trading and you're gonna have to get flat because they're going to be slow. They're going to be low liquidity. And uh, a lot of time you'll just get ground down in moves that will not reverse. You, you're you not going to get an out right at the end of the day. It's not worth that emotional capacity or, you know, emptying the bank of a, of a or, or tank of emotions on stuff like that on a Friday. You know, I can sit here and honestly tell you every single trader I've talked to Outside of doing this to make money, you know, you ask them, "Why do you? Why are you trading? Like, why do you want to do this? Well, I want the freedoms. Um, I want the ability to kind of be able to make my own schedule, kind of be my own boss." Summertime is a great chance to take advantage of that. Don't work Fridays. Like, if you're an outright trader, there's no need for you to be there on a Friday unless you're trying to get out of a position. You don't need to be there to trade a number. We just talked about why it's not great trading outrights when a you know an unemployment number comes through. So don't just don't do it. Go take a long weekend every single week. There's people would kill for that because trading's not just because you show up to work does not mean you're getting paid. So treat it like it's a day off. 
Go spend time with your family. Get out with your friends. Go hit the golf course. Go sit on the beach. Go do something. Just get away for a little bit. Yeah, I didn't know what a PTO day was until I was maybe 29 years old, just because it's just not the way it works in the trading industry. It's you don't, there's no, you don't have to be there. You don't get paid because you're not making money, but you don't have to generally, you know, clear it with HR if you're taking a day off. Usually just make sure that you're flat. And I don't know a a lot of prop firms that even have an HR department. Oh well, <laughs> I, I work. I work for a couple that do, and I think especially now. I mean, man, uh, if I were starting a prop shop today, I would have a very robust HR department because <laughs> the animals you get in there trading are. Oh man, an H. I'm an HR nightmare. I'm. I'm sure, which we could probably dedicate a whole episode to. It's, a whole series of episodes too at some point. I mean, we could create a whole new podcast off of it. Of just, yeah, outrageous uh, things that uh, should get people fired. Which I saw that, I, I saw the change over the course of my trading career too, where by the end, uh, there were definitely people who were getting uh, the stick, so to speak, instead of the carrot when it came to stuff like that. Yeah, like in the beginning trading world was known as the partying world it was a lot of a lot of people loved that had a lot of money that liked to spend their money and have a lot of fun with it that has transitioned a little bit yeah yeah without we'll, a doubt we'll save that i'll make a whole outline for it we'll do that um so yeah be careful on friday afternoons uh, but besides that, I think we got a lot of catalysts coming this summer. I'm actually looking kind of forward to this summer trade, especially. I, I am too. Yeah. I, I promise you we get a chance to talk about a little retail stock euphoria, as I'm calling this segment. Uh, we got new meme stocks. Dan, you already know about GameStop. You know about Tesla. You know about AMC. But now we're adding to the pile BlackBerry, Wish.com. Clover, Wendy's. Am I missing anything, Dan? I don't think so. I heard about BlackBerry was one a while back that kind of tapered off, kind of got forgotten, and is coming back uh, full swing now. Yeah. So um, it's it's funny too. There's I just have to get this off my chest because I find it amusing that um, in all these meme boards, I've been looking over Wall Street bets to prepare for this, and you'll see these uh, sort of. zero hedgy alloy bugs as i call them uh flocking over there to try and make the silver squeeze they've been waiting for for oh they've been trying and trying and trying 100 years yes trying like hey you know blackberry what about silver it's like guys it's not gonna happen like that the commercials couldn't do it the all the marketing for silver hasn't done it yet so this to me is maybe the story of the summer I am so curious, as I said in Coach Playbook yesterday, to see, I'm calling this Act 3. We had sort of like, you know, the original Star Wars, A New Hope. We had the Empire Strikes Back, and now we have the Return of the Jedi. All that just went over my head. No clue what any of that meant. It's Star Wars. People out there will understand it, Dan. We'll have to have you watch. Just my hot take, I have never watched the Star Wars um, I have tried to watch the first one a few times. Never could do it. So that's why it all went over my head. I think it's fun schlock. I'm not like a big Star Wars guy, but 
I get the appeal. I, I wanted to be. I tried. I've given it my. I I got Disney Plus. I've tried to watch it on there a bunch. Can't get into it. Well, we'll see. Anyhow, anyway, I digress. I want to see in this Act Three. How does this end? I am fascinated by all these things are going on, and it has to end somehow. Uh, something like GameStop cannot stay at $300 a share interminably. I mean, either shorts will capitulate and it'll go down or it'll just go down. Uh, I don't see sort of these scenarios where, uh, you know, it goes to 100000 a share or something. I No. I think the end will be abrupt. I don't think it will be a, f- a very happy ending. I think it's going to start. And the summer could very potentially be the start of it because who are the people buying up GameStop? It's a lot of the retail people, people that have been sitting at home and haven't really gotten out. So they've had some capital saved up. Economies are opening back up. Know for a fact that some of these people that have GameStop are going to be out partying. They're going to be out having fun. They're going to be out spending money. All of a sudden, they're going to go, shoot, I spent my money a little too fast. Where do I have other money I can get? Oh, I can just get rid of my GameStop. Yeah. I applaud, not as the risk manager in me, but out of just the fortitude of folks that are holding GameStop at $300 a share. I, I Frankly, I'm. Ju- it, it's just incredible that it's gotten this far, right? Like, I, I never in my wildest dreams. When, when it crashed that first time, you know, when it like pierced... 480 or whatever and then dropped down to 40 mm-hmm. uh if if you asked when it would hit 300 i'd say never or like in the year 2070 or something but right it's it's incredible that it was able to come back this is it's been kind of a, an incredible story um watching this stuff unfold um be at gamestop be at amc amc right that's a company that probably had one of the worst years of its entire existence um, with the shutdown, with the lockdowns, with people not going into a movie theater. The last thing anyone wanted to do was go sit inside a movie theater with COVID-19 going on. Yeah. And to see their stock surging right now. Um, Wendy's, I know that's kind of a talk. I've looked at that chart um, up like four bucks in the last week, um, down a dollar today. I don't think it's getting the excitement that the others have. Um, maybe worth the buy to see if you can run it up to 50 bucks. It's only $24, $25 a share right now. I haven't seen much on Clover, but uh, I think I think the outcome is going to be painful for people. It's generally incredible, too, because you know I applaud. These companies are such trash. Um, <laughs> you know, but I get that that's the only way. Tell you, us how you really feel, Jack. Well, I mean, they, I, I don't think even the people in it would deny that they are. It's more of a play on, they basically go after, this is going to change. I think the long lasting, uh, I think this will change how options are priced on stocks like these. And I think it will change, uh, strategies companies have as far as shorting stocks, because one of the things they're doing, it, it just seems that whatever company on the Russell comes out with the highest short uh, interest is they just start plowing into it. So it's you got to now, if you're short something, you almost got to dump the trade if you feel like there's too many people getting short. 
It sort which of which I think is kind of a cool change to the whole industry. You know, you if you are short, don't tell people you're short. But I think something that the more these retail meme stock type people start to learn about the markets and they learn about this idea of shorting because really from a retail perspective, from a new person perspective, the idea of selling something you don't own makes zero sense to anyone. Just pure confusion. And once they start to process that whole thing and they start to learn about the idea of shorting and then Reddit, the Reddit channel learns that you can do shorts in certain ways, boom, then we're going to be selling these markets down to zero. Yeah. I, I don't know. You have to be insane at this point to be sitting in a short position on some stock with, you know, a low float and priced in the 3 to $5 range. That used to be pretty common. But I, as I would suggest to these people, keep in mind, I don't think that they are analyzing the short positions correctly people have. I mean, it would be incredibly unsophisticated for a hedge fund to be completely unhedged, naked short some stocks. I mean, even with that short interest, I'm sure these people have calls over. And this is my advice to people who are holding these stocks, right? Hold it to the moon, but act like you're the people on the other side of the trade and hedge your position a little bit. You know, if you're sitting a bunch of GameStop buy buy a put S- right. sell a call i mean it's or if you think it's going to the moon the put's not going to matter but i think it would you know preserve some of what you have so far so do some hedging yeah there's a point where you got to protect yourself even though you know the to the moon is the thing prime example look at dogecoin that was a to the moon and Everyone, you know, buying more at 50 cents and they just kept buying it and they all wanted in. And every bit of social media I saw, I scrolled through Facebook and every amateur, you know, financial analyst out there who has nothing to do with finances, has no clue what they're doing, is saying, buy it, buy it, buy it to the moon, to the moon, to the moon. It's down to 32 cents a coin, hasn't done anything. It just keeps spilling over a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And those people that bought in at 50 cents and, you know, there's probably people that spent you know, thousand, two thousand dollars buying it at fifty cents, and now they're sitting here losing forty percent of their investment. Yeah, that sucks. Don't want to be in that way. And with these with stocks, you have that protection with the option to at least cover yourself just a little bit. Yeah, I love I love protecting yourself with options. And uh, remember, if you lose fifty percent, you got to make a hundred percent to get back to even. So mm-hmm. it doesn't get easier. Well, uh, we'll be monitoring this closely, and uh, I'm sure we'll have an update on next week. Uh, but for now, that's probably where to leave it here. Uh, we'd like you to go check out. We released Coach T at Top Step a few weeks back. Uh, it seems to be really helping people out. I think uh, people seem to be really loving it. Our data guy said that I believe it increased pass rates for step one and step two by 7%. So, uh Apparently, it's a useful tool for monitoring. Uh, What it is, by the way, Coach T, is that it offers you uh, metrics, risk management metrics, essentially, to show how disciplined you are with your trading. And I think we could all use some help as far as that goes, some accountability. Without a doubt. So check it out. Otherwise, 
it's Thursday, and we've uh, been telling you to take some of these Fridays off. So, uh, hope you had a great CPI number. Now, uh, go out and enjoy yourselves. Dan, thanks for joining. Happy to be here. Of course. Everyone out there, as usual, per usual, the usual, namaste and trade well. Limit Up is presented by Top Step and produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk. It is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.